0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Guys, radio. This is your host, Robert Manny. Welcoming you to our podcast number 323. Whew. We've got a special guest this evening, author and dream analyst, Lane Dalphin. She's going to be out in a couple minutes, and we're going to talk about her two books and her system for decoding your dreams. Interesting stuff. The first book is Have a Great Dream. Uh, it's an overview. And then the second book is Have a Great Dream, A Deeper Discussion. So we're going to talk about those books and we're going to talk to Lane and uh, his fascinating stuff Uh, and everybody dreams and most of the time we say, wow, that was an interesting dream and then you roll over and the dream's gone. You can keep a notebook next to your, on your night table and the second you wake up, go right to it and write it down. That's one way to keep it. Another way is don't move after you wake up. When you wake up, stay in the exact same spot, stay in the dream, go through it again, and then open your eyes and write it all down immediately. If you wait, the curtain comes down and our dream. Anyhow, it's a fascinating subject. And again, we all dream and the, the dreams have a lot of meaning to us and have a lot of uh, teaching uh, that most of us uh, don't take advantage of. So Lane is going to teach us all about Uh, how to analyze our dreams. Uh, She has a step-by-step process. It's all based on uh, some of the great teachers, um, uh, young and Freud and Pearls and Adler. So we'll get into that in a couple of minutes. This is Guys Guys Radio, the place where when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. It's a program for seekers. We bring out information For our listeners who are curious, who want to know what else is out there besides getting up, going to work, getting the paycheck, coming home, watching TV, getting upset at the political coverage, whether we're on one side or the other, and then going to sleep with anxiety, thinking about your bills and everything else, and becoming tired, waking up the next day, having that caffeine because you're tired, drink too much coffee during the day, can't get to sleep at night, rinse and repeat. So this show is Bringing new information out there about wellness, about relationships, about spirituality, about channeling, about meditation, about living your best life. It all started with my novel, The Guy's Guys Guide to Love, fun rom-com. It's about two guys in advertising competing for loves love, sex, power, and money. I also embedded a character in there who's a Reiki master to introduce the world of Reiki to readers. Of commercial fiction. From there, I started blogging on, at Robert Manny, M-A-N-N-I.com, all about life, love, and the pursuit of happiness. Similar to the main character in the book, I started blogging and writing about relationships and just living your best life. From there, we started Guys Guys Radio. We were doing one show a week. It was relationship-focused. Then we started opening things up and here we are, two shows a week, 323 podcasts. You can catch me at my website, robertmanny.com. My book, The Guys Guys Guide to Love, you can find it on Amazon, all the e-tailers still in some bookstores. It's a lot of fun. You can read the reviews on Amazon and elsewhere. Guys Guys Radio. All of our podcasts are free. You download them, listen whatever you want. iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and our platform, Blog Talk Radio. Let's get into what's going on today in the guys guys world here we are in new york city we broadcast from harlem uptown a couple of blocks north of central park west beautiful area up and coming area area that's had some uh changes over the last decade lots of families people from all over the world it's uh it's great you hear different languages every place you walk people from every part of the world are here it's a real melting pot area, I really like it, um, doing a great job with it and it's so close to Central Park and so close to Morningside park and there's lots of families and lots of kids I have a five year old that can walk them to school in the morning, pick them up late in the day it's good uh, we've had as I always like to talk about the weather because it's so wacky here in New York today all of a sudden boom it's been you know it's been overcast and cloudy for like months and It's so weird because this is usually the most picturesque time of year in New York, September, October. Well, now we hit November 1st after a gloomy September and October. And what do we get? Boom, perfect day today, perfect weather. Now, of course, tomorrow's Friday. It's supposed to rain again. And then Saturday morning, rain again. How do I know this? How do I remember? I take my son to soccer on Saturday mornings. This would be the third rain out of the season if that happens. So we'll see. Sunday is the marathon here in New York City. You ever run a marathon or ever consider it? I'm going to talk about marathons a a little later because I've run three. And uh, it's the one time, it's the one event where anybody from any walk of life can know what it's like to feel, to feel what it's like and know what it's like to be an athlete at an elite level. You're not going to be LeBron James. You're not going to be Kobe Bryant. You're not going to be... Tom Brady, but you can run a marathon. You do the training, you put it in there, everybody will cheer for you. It's a world-class event. Running 26.2 mi- miles, that's for real. Now, if you have something wrong with your knees or your legs or something, any part of your body that's going to prevent you from running that distance, of course, then you can't run a marathon. But else, otherwise, if you do the proper training, you, my friend, friends, can run and complete a marathon. And I did three, and I had some pressure on me I remember just a quick story and then we'll get into uh the meat of our show and our bring our guest out here I was uh listening to the marathon on the radio back in 1999 and I said to myself I was running it was a Saturday morning I used to run around the school in Scotch Plains New Jersey it was a middle school I used to run around and around and around it and I said I'm running the marathon next year and uh, sure enough, I'm, and I'm going to start training right now. So instead of doing a three-month training, I figured I'm just going to get in great shape, put a big base in in terms of uh, my miles, run and run and run for the whole year, which I did. Uh, I put, put my name in the lottery. I did not get into the New York City Marathon. It's tough to get in. It's about 30,000 runners, but a lot of the half, I think, of the allocations go uh, outside of New York. So it's not that easy for a New Yorker to get into the race. I was like, I'm still getting in there. A buddy of mine who works in sports said, I will get you uh, at the corporate level uh, for big national sports. He works for the NBA and for some of the beer companies, for Coca-Cola and some other stuff. He goes, I will get you in through one of my business contacts. I'm like, great. I checked in with him two months before the race. Nothing. Checked in with him one month before the race. Don't worry, I'm going to get it. Checked with him in with him the week before the race. Sorry, I can't get you in, man. He got himself in. He's a good friend, and I, 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 I know he couldn't get me in. What am I going to do? Here I was, having trained a year. I needed to get into the marathon. Now, caveat: this was pre-9/11. This was the year 2000, so the security wasn't like it was the next year, which was after right after 9/11. I said, I'm getting in that race somehow, even if I have to just walk walk into it. And uh, fortunately, that Friday before the marathon, a wonderful colleague of mine said, I'm not going to run in the race this year. She'd run like 10 marathons. She said, you can have my bib. I'm like, great. But she had a female bib with her name on it, Betsy. I don't look like a Betsy. I said, thanks. I gave her a big hug. I took it anyway. The morning of the race, I got up at about five in the morning to get ready, because to get to Staten Island and the Verrazano Bridge, you have to take a bus. What I had to do was I had to sneak on the bus, get past security to get on the bus to get because she had paid for a bus, the bus fare. Then I had to sneak past the uh, checkpoint to get into the racing grounds and then up to the base of the Verrazano Bridge. More pressure. It's my first marathon. I didn't know what to expect from the race itself. On top of that, I had to sneak past two checkpoints. Long story short, I made it. I ran the race. I also had a goal of breaking four and a half hours. I did it by two minutes. I ran with my buddy who who didn't, could not get me into the race. And it was a uh, watershed experience life-wise because uh, it was like, wow, so many emotions went through my mind when I was running You've got to see five boroughs in New York over the course of a couple of hours. The energy was contagious, inspirational, incredible, a real human celebration. I highly recommend running a marathon to anybody who has an inkling. Just do it. Just keep running. My advice on how to run the race, go slow. My first marathon, I ran slower the first half than the second half. My next two marathons, I got in even better shape, and I actually uh, beat both times, but much more painful experience because I went out too fast both times. In fact, in the third race, I started to bonk out. My blood sugar was going wacky, and my body told me, hey, we don't want to do this anymore. So I finished that race, and I promised my body, get me through this, and I'm not going to make you run a marathon anymore. That's it. Maybe we'll run a half at some point, but that was it. So I ran three marathons in four years. That was a while ago, but I stay in great shape. And I run around Central Park, the 6.2 miles, at least once a week, still love running. And a lot of guys my age, they have replacement hips. They have bad knees. So many people who run a lot uh, have problems. So uh, as you age, you need to, and I'm a boomer, you need to take care and be smart about how you work out. You can keep working out. And keep working out and keep working out, but you got to be smart about it. I got a lot of other stuff I want to talk about, um, but I think we're going to, we're just going to put that on hold until next time because we got a whole bunch of podcasts coming up. I think what we should do right now is take a very quick break and then we'll bring out our special guest, Lane Dalphin, and we're going to talk about dreams.
0: You're listening
1: to the Guys, Guys Radio. All right. Welcome back to Guys, Guys Radio. As I mentioned, our show is all about dreams, and our special guest is Lane Dolphin. She's been interpreting her and her clients' dreams for years. She's got two books, Have a Great Dream, book one, The Overview, Decoding Your Dreams to Discover Your Full Potential, and a companion work, Have a Great Dream, book two a deeper discussion. Her goal is to introduce the general public to the value of understanding their dreams. She's been doing this for like 45 years. Um, An amazing personal story. Uh, Let me read to you a little bit about uh, her. She's been a member of the International Association for the Study of Dreams since 1997. She lectures all throughout the US, Canada, Europe. Um, She also talks about her books. And uh, here's a quote from her. A dream is the conversation you're having with yourself. The unconscious mind is sophisticated and brilliant. There's always a reason for today's dreams. And once you learn the step-by-step method for uncovering why you had that dream last night, you'll discover the dreams we have are not random. She also uh, she has interest in dreams. Uh, they stem from her early experience in Freudian analysis, where dream work was a primary tool. Uh, she's got an eclectic approach to the frameworks of Freud, Jung, Perls, Adler. She teaches easy-to-grasp methods. And she uses dream maps in her books to uncover what's the situation today's dream is mirroring. And most importantly, she teaches you how to recognize the solutions to your current issues that appear in your dream. Lane says the interaction is exactly like doing a puzzle. You try one piece and if that doesn't work, you try another. And I'm sure we've all had dreams and recurring dreams. We're going to get into all of this. You know, you dream about water or flying or or maps or whatever, and uh, we've all had those. So let's bring our special guest, Lane Dolphin, out right now to Guys, Guys Radio. Good evening, Lane. Welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Robert. Annie, it's Laney, just like Seinfeld. Just like Laney from Seinfeld. Yeah, it's Laney. Laney Dolphin.
1: Well, welcome, Laney. Thank you
0: for inviting me.
1: Okay, let's get right into it. Um, Dreams. Uh, We all have them. Um, What what drove you to... uh, say, I'm going to study dreams?
0: Well, I'm a person who has had terrific dream recall since I'm a little girl. And uh, actually, my dad, when I used to wake up with a nightmare when I was a little girl, he wasn't the kind of parent that said, oh, it's just a dream, go back to sleep. He used to say to me, oh, good, tell me the dream. (laughs) And Uh so... Yeah, so I was already, from the get-go, encouraged to be fascinated by and uh, interested in my dreams, and uh, as a matter of fact, when it was time to go back to sleep, he would say, okay, now we're going to say to ourselves, I'm going to have a nightmare, I'm going to have one, bring it on, I'm ready for it. And of course, I never had a nightmare. Once you talk like that to a child you you yeah you um, empower them and so when i was uh, 21 i had a crisis in my life i had uh, the first of four lovely daughters who was born with down syndrome and that was the first place that i learned that actually we are problem solving in our dreams and the dream is the conversation you are having with yourself Concerning a very specific current issue that you are attempting to problem solve, and I mean this week. And so the amazing news is that the solution to something that's bugging you, of course, it comes in your unconscious before it gets to your conscious. If only you can understand what the heck you're trying to say to yourself in the dream, and that's what I do, is I teach the language of metaphor. And I could just as easily, Robert, be teaching you French or Italian. It's the same. It's another language. And once you start getting the hang of it, which all of you will by the end of this conversation I promise you'll get the idea about what's going on and um it's great because once the person – I ask a series of questions, which I'm going to teach you, and I call them different points of entry. There are six basic points of entry that you can use to uncover why you had that dream. I ask those questions. It's kind of like an interview, and it's not me who tells you why you had that dream. It's you who tells me because you answer the questions, and I have the right questions to ask. And uh, so that's what I'm going to teach you, because once you tell me what this situation is, we can look back in the dream and I can teach you what a solution looks like when it comes in the form of a
1: metaphor. Mm -hmm. Um, What are the six uh, points of entry?
0: Okay, let's talk about those. I think I'm going to go with the action first. And I'm going to follow it with a dream, so you can really see a full dream in the analysis. Um, This is one of my favorites. It happens in the second book. It's called the Picnic Dream, and it's about a woman who's at a picnic, and she says that at first there were just a few ants, there weren't many, and then suddenly, and they were having a nice time, and then suddenly it turned into a horde of ants that were everywhere, and she woke up while she was trying to push the ants away with her hands. And so we're looking at an action point of entry. And because we don't have a lot of time and I want to get a chance to give you all the points of entry and understand the, the deeper aspects of dream analysis, I'll just tell you that uh, I asked her using a symbols point of entry to tell me, what is a picnic? If I was a little kid and I never heard of a picnic before, and she said, it's when you're eating outside of the house on a blanket and hopefully the sun is shining and it's really a nice time. And I, then I asked her, what's eating? And she said, eating is sustenance. And so the dream was reflecting the affair that that woman was having. So you can see how she uses the picnic. She's eating she's getting her sustenance outside of the house on a blanket and that's how she's talking to herself about the fact that she's having an affair and the feelings point of entry was the fact that there's an escalation of feelings because at first she's feeling happy in the dream and there's just a few ants everywhere so a few ants those are like her kids his kids his wife, her husband. So they're not really disturbing the picnic, she says. And then there's an escalation that turns into a horde of ants that is obviously out of control. And then I asked her what situation happened recently that started out being a happy thing, and now it's out of your control. And that was the fact that he got transferred an hour and a half away from home. So if she wants to continue the affair, she has to drive an hour and a half out of town to where he now lives probably spend about two hours with him, and then have to drive an hour and a half back in enough time to pick up the children at school. So this is not working out very well. And then Mm -hmm. we want to look at the action in the dream. And one of my favorite ways of getting a solution, is to take the picture of the dream out into waking life and make a decision if your response is appropriate. So my question to the dreamer was, and I'm also asking you this, do you think it's an appropriate response? Can you get rid of a horde of ants by pushing them away with your hands?
1: No, of course not.
0: Of course not. It's not effective. It's not effective, and once you get to know me, you'll learn that I'm a person who says there's no good or bad, there's no right or wrong. For me, it's all about appropriateness. Is the dreamer's response to the current situation appropriate? And you cannot get rid of a horde of ants by pushing them away with your hands. And what I did was what Jung called active imagination, which is kind of what my dad was doing with me when I was a little girl. And I said to her, well, I guess you need the raid. (laughs) Because, you know, just the idea, just giving her the image of raid... When you go to get raid to kill some ants or some bugs, that's a picture of you taking control of this situation. That's mm-hmm. not the same as a horde of ants crawling all over you and you can't get rid of them. And so just that notion of presenting an image, that's why he called it active imagination, because your mind becomes active and you can actually change your mind by introducing another picture. And of course, she called me a couple of days later to tell me that in a figurative way, she did get the raid (laughs) and ended the affair. So you got to see like a feelings point of entry, the action point of entry. Another easy action point of entry is when you hear a dreamer say, I was trying to run, but my feet were not working. So that's also an action point of of entry. And uh, the symbols, you know, so I got the symbols uh, about the affair by asking her to define what a picnic is. You see what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Do do some folks, Lainey, um, have, like, is every dream significant or do we sometimes have, you know, kind of like what we call like garbage dreams because of food we ate or whatever? No. They're all, no. they're all... Uh,
0: They are all meaningful, and uh, it's funny uh, funny because in your intro, you used an expression that I used, which was so cool, because you talked about a curtain coming down, and I often tell people when I'm lecturing, it's not as though a curtain comes up in the morning when you wake up, and then it drops down when you go to sleep at night. Dreaming is just thinking. You're just thinking in a language, and I like to try... And help people make the your thinking more fluid between the way you think during the day and the way you think at night. And there really isn't a difference, by the way, because if there's something about my accent or my intonation or something about the sound of my voice that reminds you of your grade 11 teacher, you don't realize it right now because you're distracted. The lights are on, you know, you're planning on what's going on and you can't see the pictures and then you'll go to sleep tonight and you'll dream about that teacher and you'll say, look, what the heck was that? And it might be because you're processing the discussion that we're having right now. But just to more directly answer your question, the same way you wake up in the morning and you prioritize your day, the conscious works like that. Who do I have to phone? Who do I have to email? What do I have to do today? If you have 7,000 things happen to you today, which you probably did, like every time you answered the phone, every time you went to the washroom, every person you spoke to, every thought you had, it probably adds up to seven, ten thousand events, and when you go to sleep tonight, you're subconscious, your unconscious, prioritizes the one thing that's bugging you the most. And all of your dreams tonight, even if you had a pizza, all of your dreams tonight are going to be you testing out different possible solutions and reactions to that very specific current issue.
1: Okay. A lot of people uh, have uh, dreams of certain symbols seem to be prevalent. Let me give you one. I dream frequently about I'm in cities that look familiar, but I can't quite place my finger on them. And I'm like, what city is this? I don't know, but I know I've been there. And then there's streets and roads and bridges and like a super highway system. And I'm always not trying, I'm kind of getting around going from place to place, but I'm always referring to like these roads and maps and bridges Not 100% sure what's the correct route. I'm assuming using your methodology that I am searching. You
0: just gave it away. Mm you just gave it away because you're not you're saying that i hear you saying that you're not really sure about which way to go so Mm -hmm. i could tell you that if that was my dream i -hmm. would be dreaming about stuff like that and i would have a familiarity let's give you an example i could have a dream like that because i have all these lovely daughters and so i would I think that I feel like if, if the mothering or the way I parent, if that is something familiar to me, so we could say I can use a city as a metaphor or a road or a highway, because it's something I'm familiar with being a mother. Mm-hmm. But then there 's so many times i can 't even begin to tell you, and all of us parents understand that there there 's countless times when something happens with your with your child, and you 're really not sure it becomes unfamiliar territory it 's something new, and i 'm not really sure how to navigate and i 'm not really sure which roadmap to take, and so it 's familiar but not really. Because it might be a new kind of situation. You see what I mean? And that yeah, would be uh, a situation that would, trigger, um, that would trigger a dream like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Here, here's like another aspect of it. I can visually, in my mind's eye now, visualize this one city I go to. And I don't know. I know I've been there in this lifetime, but I, I think. But I don't know where it is. I know what different avenues look like. There's a familiarity to it. I know what's on the next street, but I just like, I can't pinpoint it.
0: Right, and one thing that the fathers of psychology disagreed about, an awful lot of stuff, Mm -hmm. but one thing they did agree on is that all the parts of the dream represent different parts of you. And I want to just go a little deeper here for a minute um, just to explain. So in other words, Mm Jung said uh, you're you're all the actors, you're the producer, you're the director, and so all these different parts – that are you're describing as familiar to you? Well, they are familiar to you because they're a part of yourself, but they're you're not really necessarily connected to all those parts of yourself. And this is how the best way to explain it. When you and I'm going deep for a second, but don't worry because yeah. I'll come back. I'll come back up to the surface. Um, okay. When we're born, we're born whole. We come into the world with a plethora of potential, I call it. You have the ability to be selfish, to be giving, to be shy, assertive. Maybe you can be a hero or a chicken. Maybe you were the comedian in the family. Maybe you were more serious. And the people that bring us up teach us that it's better to be one way than another way. And so we become what I like to call over-exercised in some aspects of our personality and under-exercised in other aspects. So a great example is... Um, if you were brought up in a home with siblings, you probably got the message that it 's not okay to be selfish. how you've probably heard sentences from your parents like, "Go look after your brother. you better share your toys with your sister and so and even your whole existence is based on sharing your parents' attention, and so you are becoming exercised in sharing and you're becoming under exercised in Taking care of yourself. So I'm not saying that that is always true in all situations, but it's a pretty good generalization that you would find pretty often all those people that you and I know, and I include myself, who have real hard time saying no. They're always accommodating, and they say yes too often sometimes. And sometimes saying yes just simply isn't appropriate. It doesn't fit the situation, the current situation, and that's what the dreams give you an opportunity to do. So Stephen, for example, this uh, client – He's dreaming a one-picture dream. I love one-picture dreams, by the way. He's climbing up a ladder, and all the way up the ladder, it's a very high ladder, and paper, paper, everywhere, and uh, even, like, on the sides of the ladder and across the steps, and up at the top of the ladder is his college roommate, who he hasn't seen for, like, 25 years. And I asked him, using a symbols point of entry, very quickly, what are the first two or three things that come to your mind about that roommate? Tell me about him. What kind of character was he? And his answer was, he was a real selfish, take care of me first kind of guy. That's how he describes the dreamer. So now we know that that is the aspect of Stephen's personality that he is not as connected to. Jung would have called it your shadow. It's under-exercised part, as opposed to your habitual responses to life situations, your over-exercised parts. and. And Stephen had that dream because there's paper all over his desk. And the day before, his friends asked him to go see a movie, and Stephen, being brought up in a home with siblings, is under-exercised in saying no. And he said he was going to go to the movie, but really he doesn't want to. And his healthy unconscious presents this roommate because that's the part of himself that he needs to access, So your dream will not pick somebody who's a little bit assertive, by the way. When you need to assert yourself, you're unconscious and you're not doing nothing about it. Your unconscious is going to pick a polarity. It's going to pick somebody who you associate as the absolute antithesis of yourself in hopes that you will take just a little bit of that quality. And because the dreamer understood his dream, the next day he called his friends and took a little bit of his college roommate to say I'm not going to join you guys for a movie. There's too much work on my desk, and I want to be at my work. I don't. I don't want to go to a movie.
1: Okay, uh, let's. Uh, I got a whole bunch of questions. Let me throw some rapid fire ones at you. Uh, for kids, like wh- I have a five-year-old. At what age do kids start dreaming?
0: Well, dreaming is thinking. Oh my goodness, we're dreaming from the minute we come out, and I bet we're dreaming on the interior as well. In in the womb. Well, I so asked my son, I, I I suppose say,
1: uh, did you dream last night? And uh and how how'd you sleep? He goes, Good. I said, Did you dream last night? Yeah. What did you dream about? He says, Flopsy. Now Flopsy's kind of his imaginary friend from Peter Rabbit. I said, Oh, okay. And then Flopsy's a topper, so whatever you do Flopsy does it better. So I, I just left it at that. I didn't get into the details once once he said Flopsy. But my, I was just curious as to, you know, the five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, when did they start Yeah, the five, process, six, and
0: seven-year-olds, I'll tell you, you can use a lot of active imagination with children. It's a very positive thing to do. So, mm-hmm. for example, uh, you know, one child comes and says, oh, I I was running away and there was a giant chasing me and I couldn't get away from the giant. And then you could say to that child, well, you know, Um, mummy is coming in that dream and you speak in the present tense as though the dream is happening right now and say something like mummy is coming in that dream with you and we're going to build a wall that's so big and so tall that the giant can't get over it and by doing Mm -hmm. something like that you are already changing the pictures in the child's mind by using active imagination and you're giving them a tool to feel uh, um, courageous, more courageous.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let me throw another one at you. When I was a kid, about maybe I was a little six or something, maybe six or seven tops, and I, I had this nightmare uh, about this uh, little person who was like, uh, looked like Al- Alfred E. Newman from the Mad Magazine. And uh, I would wake up. I was dreaming. But in the dream, I was waking up, and this guy was on top of me choking me. I had that dream a couple of nights. And I told my parents about it, and I'm not sure what they said. And then, you know, they reassured me that everything was okay. And then the third night, I had the dream. And this time, I got on top of this character, and I kind of choked him out. And I never had the dream again.
0: <laughs> Excellent. So I guess you took care of business and found your, uh, you found your strength. It's very, very normal for children to have nightmares because it's the same thing like having to pee. You can hold it in, hold it in, hold it in. And at a certain point, it has to come out because we are self-regulating organisms. And so whatever it is that you're underreacting to during the day, the dream is going to overreact. And a nightmare is an overreaction to your underreaction. And when we Mm. are children, we don't have a lot of power. I mean, if your parent is yelling at you, you can't exactly say, excuse me, I'm leaving house now when you're six or seven years old you can't really do that and so you don't have so much power and so all of the feelings don't necessarily come out and nightmares are a very healthy thing that's why uh, i call my books and my site have a great dream because all dreams are great
1: all right. Let me throw another one at you. I repeatedly recurring dreams have dreams. I'm going in and out of these I'm in these different houses, different environments. And I always end up in the bathroom and it's either in the bathroom or the shower, but there's feces, either in the toilet or in the shower, whatever. And it's not like I'm not completely grossed out in the dream, but it's like not necessarily pleasant. I know. And I'm like, but why is this there? Why is this I'll there? I'll tell and you then, why.
0: I'll tell you why. Because one of the points of entry that I didn't get to is play on words and puns. And the same way that we use play play on words and puns in our waking life, we are using them constantly in our dreams. Like the woman who said, there were snakes all over the floor. I couldn't put my foot down. And I asked, why? Who are you having trouble putting your foot down with? And it was her husband. Mm-hmm. Or if I say to you, I was so embarrassed, I thought I was going to die. If you use language like that, you might go to sleep tonight and dream that you're dying, and you're not dying, you're processing something that you were very embarrassed about, and the language that you use. So in other words, if I say to you, I feel like crap, then I might go to sleep and dream that I'm in a bathroom and
1: there's feces everywhere. Hmm. But I don't feel like crap. Well, well, why? Did you have that dream last night? No, I I don't. uh, But I've had it, and I always think it's like a contrarian thing, like it's not a bad thing. Like I go, and there's a toilet, and it's backed up or something like that. I'm like, why am I having this dream?
0: But listen to the language that you're using. You're saying there's something backed up. And so if that was my dream, Mm -hmm. I would be looking at something that's going on in my life this week, some kind of situation that I'm not speaking up about. I seem to be holding it in. It's getting backed up, literally. Mm-hmm. And so what I is gotcha. it that's getting backed up? Is it words that I want to say? Is it work on my desk? Is it responsibilities? Something's mm-hmm. piling up.
1: Got it. Okay. So
0: and I and I need to flush the thing out, you know, mm-hmm. cuz if it's a mm-hmm. toilet that's backed up, you have the solution right there. You want to get the okay. plunger and and un unplug it.
1: Okay. How about um another thing that I think a lot of people have is uh deceased relatives show up in the dream now in my particular case uh i have a grandmother who shows up she never says anything i have a friend who shows up he never says anything and my dad passed in february and for a while he was showing up in fact he uh one time uh, two separate occasions he showed up one time and he showed me um exactly how he looked in his like best he had a beautiful suit on he looked fantastic he was like about 45 years old and i saw him and i'm like wow that's and he was standing in front of me with this almost like a aura around him And i said wow that's really you and i that's, that's very really cool you. and i went well walked up I, to him I look at, and i couldn't well hang on I, I walked up to him and i couldn't when i went to like put my hand out and then he he disappeared and then i was uh having a meeting with uh, somebody who was doing one of my guests was doing some uh, offline was doing some work with me and um, she uh, knows nothing about my background. And she said, uh, what, what, what's with your dad? He's coming in. And I explained that he had passed recently and she said, you have to let him go. And um, you you have a, you have a connection to him that's holding him back. So you have to let him go. And sure enough, I let go. And we did a, we did an exercise that was an exchange of love and very positive thing. So he can come and go as he frees, but as he, as he pleases, but I'm, I'm not holding him back into this dimension, if you will. So he, that's it, poof, gone. And I was, it was very uh, great release for myself. I guess my question is about one, about deceased friends or relatives. Two, the fact well, that they never seem to speak. And the third is, do you factor in uh, any type of spirituality with your science?
0: No, I do not. But I so happen to be a spiritual person. But in my work, I am taking a 100% purely psychological approach. But I also believe, because I've been doing this for 45 years, and mm-hmm. I am a spiritual person, so my father, he represents the business male side of myself. So when I'm getting on a plane, like I did uh, like actually last week to go to New York City on business, I'm leaving my maternal side behind, my my mm-hmm. mom, who was a stay-at-home mother. So I'm leaving the kids, I'm leaving Andy and my grandchildren, and I'm getting on the plane. So I might dream about my dad because I'm accessing that male business side of myself because that's who I need to access to get on the plane. But how do you and I know that my father is not also really visiting? me he most certainly right. could be, and he probably mm. is, but I think that we are multitasking, and what I am doing is I am only in my business, I am only looking at the idea that these over over exercise aspects of our personality have potential to make us feel to make us really boring because can you imagine turning like 60 years old and still responding that when somebody let's say aggravates you that you don't have a part of yourself that knows how to speak up and assert yourself that all you do is always stay quiet how boring would that be so we want to you know in in the uh, in one of the books uh, i think the second book cuz i don't even play golf but i call it playing a different game on the back nine because mm-hmm. the first 40 years i did it the way my parents told me i'm supposed to be and right. i hope that for the next 40 years i will be taking back all the parts of myself that were considered unacceptable in the home that i grew up in for example i was brought up by a european father and mother and uh, as i was saying to you before if my father was yelling at me when i was six or seven i couldn't say to him uh, excuse me i don't like how you're talking to me right now because right. i probably would have landed up in my bedroom i'm going to wind around by the way to answer another question that you asked okay. and so um you know when i uh, turned so i became under exercised in in uh, speaking up and over-exercised in shutting up and that was appropriate for when my father, you know, was yelling at me, and I was six or seven. But is that behavior appropriate when I'm 40? And when I was 40, um, that was the year that I was studying dream analysis at the Alfred Adler Institute, and it was also the year that my dad died. And my husband, who just like my dad is such a nice guy, he would take the shirt off his back for you, but he's got a temper, and he yelled at me one night and I responded inappropriately with saying nothing, nothing, as if he was my dad or something, because it was just my knee-jerk reaction. And because I was studying at the time and I understood the images of the dream, that night I went to sleep and I dreamt about an aunt of mine who had already passed on 15 years before that. And I asked myself what comes to my mind when I think about her, and I said to you, and I'll still say it to you today, she had the biggest mouth of anybody I ever met. She was the most assertive person, and if she didn't like you, she had no problem telling you, and also if she loved you, she would tell you. And so I needed to access that ability, and what I did is – and I'm not here to tell you that change is easy, by the way. I am here to tell you that change is possible because I exercised that part of myself. And the next morning I said, Andy, I I was really uncomfortable how you spoke to me last night. Please don't yell at me. It makes me feel like I'm six or seven years old again. So my response to him was inappropriate. The guy is my equal. I don't need to stand there shaking in my boots like I'm seven because I'm over-practiced in that. And so now, here we are, I'm 66. 26 years later, and I could tell you, I cannot even remember the last time that Andy yelled at me. It's got to be over 20 years ago, because once you change your behavior... And once you start exercising that muscle, it's like working out in a gym. You get more and more strength in using different parts of yourself. And it brings you, it puts you in a very powerful, comfortable, and flexible position when making decisions about how you want to respond to people and situations in your life. Okay.
1: Okay. Let's talk about the books a little bit. Tell us um, why you broke the book up, uh, books into two, and what uh, can readers uh, expect to get out of book one and book two. Book one is the uh, overview, and book two is a deeper discussion. And how, how, do, how do they work right. in tandem?
0: And the the overview is like my kids run from uh, forty five all the way down to twenty five. And I think it's the influence of the 25-year-old that uh, inspired me, besides the people, the lots of people want to go deep fast. And I'm a first things 1st kind of girl, and I like to first know what situation this week triggered the dream before I go deep. So in other words, if I find out it's because Andy yelled at me and I didn't like it, that's the surface thing. And then I can look into the past and do the Freud and Jung thing. How did I become this way? Why didn't I answer him back? And those, that kind of stuff. So in the first mm-hmm. book, it's only 100 pages because my daughter might say things to me like, why do we have to read 350 pages to find out how to do it? So I wrote the book, it's 100 pages, and that includes the pictures, and it tells you how to do it step by step Um, and then the second book is called a deeper discussion because if you want to look deeper into the dreams to get more life-lasting decision making then you should read a deeper discussion because that one really is 350 pages
1: (laughs) got it i have another recurring dream that i actually forgot I am a big Rolling Stones fan, and I have, haven't have had it for a while, but I have dreamt maybe 50 times of I am hanging around with Jagger and Keith Richards, and we're going to play. And I'm going to get up on stage with them, and I put my guitar on, and sometimes there's no sound, and so I'm listening very closely. Can I get the guitar to play? How is it going to be, the dynamic with these guys, who's nice, who isn't nice, and all of that. And then we never end up doing the concert in front of a crowd, but there's a lot of like backstage getting ready stuff. What is that
0: getting ready well so you just gave us a little bit of a clue Um, and so here's what I would I would say first of all to tell you when you have a recurring dream if you said to me I had it six times in the last two weeks the Mm -hmm. recurring dream there in that case would be something like a nightmare that would be your healthy unconscious having succeeded at grabbing your attention But if you have a recurring dream, which it sounds like the Rolling Stones dream, over a period of a lifetime, where you've had it like 50, 60 times over a period of years, that's Mm -hmm. different. That's different. That's called a favorite expression. So my favorite expression is, oh, darn it, which it's not, but we're on a podcast, so I'm going to be polite. (laughs) So I could have said... I could have said, oh, darn it, 47 years ago because I missed the bus. And I could have said, oh, darn it, 20 years ago because I walked by my desk and a bunch of papers fell off. And I could have said, oh, darn it, you know, 20 minutes ago because I, I said I better hurry up and get to the phone to start the radio show. So I'm saying, oh, darn it, oh, darn it, oh, darn it. And the reasons happen over a period of years for completely different reasons. And so when you have the Rolling Stones cream, it sounds like, because you already kind of gave it away, you, you said it, it means getting ready. So you use that picture when you're getting ready to prepare yourself for something because it seems like that's what you're doing in the dream is getting ready. So it's not so much about the performance. It seems that it's much more about getting ready. And by the way, you probably won't have that dream anymore because once you understand what the metaphor is Mm -hmm. and what expression you're using, uh, it usually doesn't come back.
1: Okay. Um, uh, we have very little time left, but I think the most important thing we can uh, share with our listeners is that, you know, people have a hard time remembering their dreams. And uh, as I mentioned in my introduction, uh, I used to, uh, I still do, I keep a notebook next to on my night table. Now I'm doing some spiritual work before I go to sleep now. So I'm getting downloads, I believe, but, and I get them. And then uh, I can't, for some reason, I'm not able to spring up and write them all down. Um, because it just seems like I'm getting downloads differently. But for most people, and even I'll say for myself included, what's the best methodology that people can use uh, and practice so they can start remembering their dreams so they can get them written down so then they can use your book and they can decode? Because if you don't remember your dream and you don't write it down, you're you're not going to be able to use your book.
0: Right. And so another... uh... Point of the last point of entry which uh I don't think we talked about is the repetition, and this is why you don't have to have a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end, and that's because we repeat to ourselves, like you remember read it, write it, recite it, read it, write mm-hmm. it, recite it, and that's what we do in our dreams, so you don't need a big long dream, that uh, Stephen's dream with the ladder or uh, the the dreamer with the picnic, those, right. uh, those are one picture dreams, and, they're, and there's, they sell, they. A world of information just from one picture. But here's what you can do. One, intention, Int- is mm-hmm. like and, and Freud always talked about that, if you decide that you want to remember a dream in the next couple of days, leave pen and paper beside the bed, and you can even try and imagine yourself reaching for the pen in the morning when mm-hmm. you open your mm-hmm. eyes, Good. you probably like will remember a dream in the next couple of days, especially for people that are hearing me speak, it somehow mm-hmm. triggers dream recall, once people have a discussion with me, it's so funny. But the other thing you can do is sit in a chair and take off your watch and look at your watch and take notice of the band and the hands and the way the second hand is moving. Now close your eyes and see the watch in your mind's eye. And now you open your eyes and you look at the watch and check it out again. And now look around the room and look. T- take note of the paintings and the pictures and the furniture and walk all the way around the room with your eyes. And then close your eyes and walk around the room inside your mind's eye. Because when you're doing that in and out, in and out, um, once you do that, you're you're giving yourself... You're exercising that part of your mind that you're going to need to walk inside and outside the dream. Like when I wake up, sometimes I'll say to myself, where was I just now? Where was I? And, and uh, all you need to do is just catch something small, because once you get used to doing it, it comes a lot faster and easier.
1: Fantastic. Okay, this is Guys Guys Radio. Your host, Robert Manny. Our guest, Lainey Dalphin, Her book... Um, On dreaming, Have a Great Dream, dream. Uh, there's two books. And, uh, Lainey, why don't you tell our uh, guests, uh, excuse me, our listeners, where they can find out more about you and get your books and uh, work with you.
0: You can go to haveagreatdream.com. That's the best place to go. And uh, you can find links to the books there that will take you straight to the right page on uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all that. Just go to haveagreatdream.com.
1: Okay. Wow. This hour went really fast and um, we had so much to cover. So I want to thank you, Lainey. You did a fantastic job and uh, your work is fascinating. Maybe we can do it again because we didn't go too deep and there's so much to cover when we talk about dream. We spend half our lives or a third of our lives sleeping and probably a good chunk of that sleep. We have dream action uh, going on. So uh, maybe we can do it again. Absolutely. Thank you. And I'll
0: leave you with I'll leave you with this thought
1: that when
0: you're making a decision, you may as well consult your whole mind instead of just your conscious.
1: I love it. Perfect. Okay. Great. (laughs) Good. Good advice. And thank you so much, Lainey. Uh, Lainey Delphin. um, The name of the book again is Have a Great Dream. So everybody, uh, have a great dream. And Lainey, thank you so much for being our guest on Guys Guys Radio. We'll be in touch.
0: Thank you, Robert.
1: All right. Okay, folks, that's our show for this evening. Um, Guys, guys, radio, we're back on Sunday night. We actually going back to our roots. We have a relationship expert. Dwayna Welch is going to be with us eight o'clock on Sunday. But as I mentioned, all of our podcasts and you know, it's not like live radio. So we don't get a lot of calls and stuff because 95% of people listen to podcasts whenever you want to listen to them. But uh, we're going to be recording live. I like to record live. It sets up a certain type of energy between me and my guests and the audience. And, uh, but you can listen whenever you want on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Blog Talk Radio. So thanks for being with us. As I always like to say at the end of the show, remember, guys, guys, finish first.